Take your hymn books. Let's turn to 598 as we get started tonight. And, and uh, what we'll do tonight is we'll just take a few favorite hymns, but 598, Standing on the Promises, as we get started tonight. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. The third is the last. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord. Bound to Him eternally by love's strong cord. Overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Leah, 402, 402, like a river glorious, 402, we'll sing the first and the last. Like a river glorious is God's perfect peace over all victorious in its bright increase. Perfect yet it floweth fuller every day. Perfect yet it groweth deeper all the way. Shade upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed. Finding as He promised, perfect peace and rest. Every joy or trial falleth from above. Traced upon our trial by the Son of Love. We may trust Him fully, all for us to do. They who trust Him wholly, find Him wholly true. Stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed. Finding as He promised, perfect peace and rest. All right, Rowena. Six. 673. I believe that's when we all get to heaven. 673. Let's sing the first and the third. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing His mercy and His grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, He'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing there will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Just one glimpse of Him in glory will the toes of life repay. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing there will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. All right, I thought I saw a hand over here somewhere. Um, Rachel. 805. Okay, that's past the index. 805. Past the index in the songs in the back. We'll sing the first and the last. God sent His Son. 
by my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know. is worth living just because he lived and then one day I'll cross the river I'll fight life's final war with me and then as death gives way to I'll see the light of glory and I'll know He lives. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds a future. And life is worth a living just because he lives. All right, trying to find somebody that's not a Montoro here. Uh, Brother George. Okay, page number nine, I believe. Page number nine. And it's not in this hymnal. It's missing. Somebody liked it so well they took it out of that one. All right, here we go. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to The second is the last. Holy, 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 all the saints adore thee, casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea. Cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee, which word and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to assemble together in your name. We ask for your grace and your direction on each part of the service, that your name would be lifted up, that we would learn about you from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, if you got an outline, uh, you'll see the uh, choice that uh, has been made. We're going to spend the next eight to ten weeks dealing with Christ in prophecy in the scripture. We're going, uh, there's no way in, in ten weeks we'll be able to cover every verse in the Bible. Uh, we couldn't do that in ten years, cover every verse in the Bible that talks about Jesus Christ. Uh, because every, one, every verse in the Bible does talk about him in one way or another. But uh, as tonight we're going to uh, try to do an overview. We're going to go through uh, basically two, almost uh, two complete chapters and then several other passages. And so we're going to have to uh, move very quickly. But uh, what we want to do tonight is just get an overview of what the Bible says about the person of Christ. And then we'll go back into the Old Testament and we'll get the specific prophecies. There are prophecies that said where Jesus was going to be born. There are prophecies that talked about his family. There were prophecies 
that told us how Jesus was going to live, how he was going to teach, what he was going to do, how he was going to die, how he was going to be resurrected again from the dead, and how he is coming again. And uh, we get through all of that by April. No, uh, hopefully uh, we'll spend about a week on each of those subjects. And, and then my favorite part is uh, what we'll call pictures and types of Christ in the Old Testament. Uh, we'll spend an evening just looking at personalities of individuals who truly lived in place and time. And yet... Uh, part of their life or the story of their life is given to us in the scripture was a picture or a type of Christ. And then we'll look, uh, spend just a little bit of time, hopefully one evening, on how different religious rituals and feasts, and uh, I, I wish we could spend a whole month just on Christ in the tabernacle, but we've already done that. That's a different series. And then... Uh, we'll uh, just uh, kind of try to wrap that whole thing up by the end of uh, January is kind of what the goal is uh, right now. And uh, next week we're having a, a special treat. Uh, Brother Ted is going to be preaching uh, next Thursday night. And uh, he'll be uh, doing the whole service. Uh, actually... Um, I, I didn't realize how it was all coming together, but I'll be in Shrebuk, uh, Quebec, Canada. Uh, I promised, if you'll remember, uh, back in April, we hosted a preacher's meeting here, uh, a Global Independent Baptist Fellowship meeting, and the next one is in November in Shrebuk. Next, uh, it'll be next Thursday and Friday. And uh, so I'm sorry I won't be here, but uh, Brother Ted is going to be uh, preaching, we're going to kill two birds with one stone. He's going to cover the services, and yet it's going to be uh, training for the mint, as you well know. And uh, he's going to have the whole evening, and then Brother Franz is going to have a whole Sunday night. And so we're trying to give these men some experience at uh, taking a whole service. Amen. And uh, that was something I went four years of Bible college, and. Uh, that was something that I never uh, never did until uh, I was actually pastor of this church. And that was a scary thing, holding the first service, uh, being in charge of everything, and never having done it before. And, and so we're trying to uh, give them opportunity to do that. Uh, please do not forget, uh, Tuesday, we'll remind you again Sunday, is Election Day. Uh, if you're a citizen of this country... Uh, and you have the right to vote, you, you ought to be there. You ought to make time to go and make your voice heard. And uh, somebody said, well, uh, it doesn't matter. It's all right. No, it, it does matter. And uh, as a citizen, you need to exercise uh, that voice and uh, be there and vote. And uh, I'll tell you, there's a lot riding on this election. Uh, I mean, I don't think the difference between the candidates could be any greater if somebody sat down and tried to script it. And uh, you need to spend some time uh, praying about that and investigating. And if you uh, have not uh, taken time to, to do that, uh, see me afterwards and, and we'll go through a few things. And uh, again, uh, you're not going to find a candidate running for any office uh, that I know of that's going to be in total agreement with this book called the Bible. And, and so what you do is you vote for the best rat. Amen? And uh, that's about all you can do anymore. And uh, we praise the Lord for, uh, for keeping this country, but uh, make sure you do that Tuesday, uh, Saturday, regular visitation. Uh, let's be in our place. And of course, Sunday. And if you haven't turned in your Green Faith Promise card from the uh, Missions Conference, uh, would you uh, please do that as soon as you can so we can make a tally? And um, I am sorry with everything happening, we did not get the worker schedule yet. Uh, I'll be uh, hoping to uh, claim a few victims just after the service for Sunday, and then hopefully by Sunday we'll have uh, that all done. 
All right, let's grab our hymnals and let's turn to one uh, page number 18, page number 18, and then we'll get into our Bible study tonight. All hail the power of Jesus' name, page number 18. Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him, Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him, Lord of all. He chose and seed of his Israel's race, she ransomed from the fall. Hail him who saved you by his grace and crown him, Lord of all. Hail him who saved you by his grace and crown him, Lord of all. We'll sing that third as the last. Let every kindred, every tribe on this terrestrial ball To Him all majesty ascribe and crown Him Lord of all To Him all majesty ascribe and crown Him Lord of all Amen. You may be seated. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the Gospel of John, the first, first, fourth, I tried to say first and fourth at the same time, the fourth book in the New Testament, John chapter 1. And what I would like for us to do is, as we look at these prophecies, is I, uh, one of the most important parts about studying the Bible is keeping things in the overall biblical context of the Bible. It's one thing to look at a verse and say, these words are formed and uh, this word means such and such. Define all of the words that are in the passage. Take the meaning of what those words are as they're assembled in your Scripture. But you must, you must, Keep everything that you see and everything you read in the complete context of the entire Bible. The Bible never, ever contradicts itself. It is people's ideas about the Bibles, about the Bible that, con that is contradictory. Uh, the Bible itself, if you let it teach you, it has only one message. And that message is Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. That is the only message the Bible teaches. It teaches, and we're going to just look at what the Bible says about the person of Christ. And, and uh, uh, I think one of the biggest problems, and, and the only way I know how to describe it, I hope you don't mind me repeating myself, but if everything everyone said was in the Bible was actually there, there would be no library in the world big enough to contain the book. Uh, people attribute all kinds of things to the Bible. And yet when you ask them to find it, well, I know it's in there somewhere. And uh, what we want to do is we want to just stick with what the Bible says. Amen. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning. Now, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says what? In the beginning. Genesis 1, 1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. Now, um, be patient with my poor grammar, but it describes the situation. If you was, you ain't is. You got that? I, I mean, uh, was is past tense. Is is present tense. 
In the beginning was the Word. You know, there's a lot of people that try to teach that somehow Jesus was some created being, that Jesus was, um, I, I think the uh, Jehovah's Witness say he's one of the archangels or something like that. And, and many people say all kinds of things about Jesus. Sung Young Moon says that Jesus showed up three different times begging him to come and fix the problems that Jesus failed at when he was here on earth. Oh. Uh, if you have low blood pressure, that ought to keep it up. Amen? I mean, uh, we, we don't even take time to argue with a person like that. Because the Bible says, in the beginning was. Jesus existed before the beginning. He was already there. Uh, the way I like to put it, he was, is, he is, is, and always will be, is. I mean, Jesus is present tense, but he is past, present, and future. In the beginning was the Word. And one of the things... Uh, uh, that we need to understand about Jesus is He is the living Word. What you hold in your hand, if you have the right kind, is the written Word. If you don't have the right kind, you have some of it. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people, they, they, it's interesting, people like to argue what? About the words. Why do they like to argue about the words? Because they like to argue about the word. You see, if Jesus is God, and he is, then that eliminates an awful lot of stuff. You see, people love to argue and redefine the words because... They want to take this book and make it agree with them. Now, it's very important if the Bible agrees with you, right? No, it's all backwards. You're supposed to agree with the Bible. You see, this is the authority. Somebody, some new hotshot on the Internet sent me four or five blog emails about how he has discovered all of this great truth about Jesus Christ and, oh my, how that, uh, oh, I don't even want to get into the whole thing tonight. I just put him on my spam blocker uh, because he was uh, trying to explain that, you know, it's, you have to have somebody interpret the Bible for you to understand it. That is a lie. You see, if God did that, then we could accuse God of a lot of things. Because He's the one that gave us this book called the Bible, and He made it so only a few enlightened people could understand. Well, then God has made us slaves to those few enlightened people. Amen? And what happens if you're not around one of those enlightened people? Well, you'll never have the opportunity to find out the whole truth. But God said what he meant and meant what he said. All you have to do is read it. Amen? Now, you have to be careful how you read it. You know, the old thing is, uh, figures don't lie, but liars figure. I mean, there's an awful lot of people that have an awful lot to say about the Bible. How many of you have ever gotten one of those Tony Alamo papers? Every once in a while, you'll see them all over the car windshields. Now, let me recommend something. Just throw the thing away. Oh, yeah, he's got tons of Scripture listed under there. And, and, boy, if you looked at it the first time, you'd think he's the most righteous man in the world. Most of his writing was done from a prison cell. 
Uh, unfortunately, I don't know all the circumstances, but I sincerely doubt he was there the same re- in prison for the same reasons Paul was in prison. In fact, one of his papers was talking about how godly men must have more than one wife at the same time. Now, let me tell you something. That's just screwball with a capital S. Amen? Uh, you know, people quote you the Bible all the time. That's why we're talking about keeping it in the context. As we talk about Jesus Christ, somebody may say, Pastor, how do you know that the word that's being spoken about here is Jesus? Well, when we get down to verse 14, there's no choice, absolutely no choice left because it says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That's talking about Jesus. But here in this beginning verse here, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, if you have one of those New World translations, they love to do this. They'll just put the little letter A in there. The Word was a God, little g, little o, little d. There's no textual evidence for that at all. There's not one Greek manuscript that puts that little A in there. But they have to do that because if they don't, then the Bible does not agree with the Jehovah's Witness and Watchtower language and doctrine that Jesus Christ is a created being. And so as we look here, this first verse of John says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word's capitalized because it's talking about Jesus. And the Word was with God... That means separate, standing beside, in the same area as, and the Word was God, the same as God. You say, that's contradictory. No. It would be if it were talking about a human being. But we're talking about God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Amen. And we believe that. And right here, it states it very plainly that this Word was with God. This Word was God. And this Word was before the beginning became. We could only be talking about God. Because before the beginning... How many of you like Brother Thompson's Big Bang Theory? That was pretty good, wasn't it? God spoke. Bang! There it was. Amen? Now, that's my kind of Big Bang. I can subscribe to that. Uh, This other thing where a whole bunch of nothing uh, exploded and became something, now that one I got a problem with. And uh, see, either your God is is the God of this Bible, or if you believe in evolution, your God has to be dirt. It has to be matter. Because something had to exist in order for the Big Bang to produce something. So, if your God is just a bunch of matter that's out there, then then your God literally is dirt. And you can worship that if you want, and people do. They worship the earth, they worship the sun, they worship the trees. I want to worship the Creator, as is outlined right here. You see... It doesn't say, we haven't got there yet. The same was in the beginning with God, verse 3. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Right there we have the Creator, amen? Everything that was made. There's a verse in the book of Revelation. It says, Jesus Christ, the beginning of the creation of God. And if you ever have somebody point you out that and they say, see there, he was the first thing God created. No, no, you got the grammar wrong. It's Jesus Christ, the beginning of creation. That's where creation came from, amen? He wasn't the first thing to create it. He was the creator, and that's just what the verse is saying. You've got to keep it in its context. Now, I love verse 4. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Now we talk about life. Life is the greatest gift that has ever been given. 
every time a mother goes through all of the gestation, carrying that little one inside her and all the aches and pains and, and problems and morning sickness and, and uh, joy and expectation that goes along with that. And then, then comes labor. That's the fun part, right? And then delivery. But then comes birth, amen? And everything else is forgotten about. As you look down into that little face, our last one was purple from the nose up when she was born. She had the cord wrapped around her neck. And some of you remember we brought her down in the middle of the wedding and she looked kind of strange and uh, at the reception there, but she cleared up after a couple of days and boy, she's going great guns now. And uh, I'll tell you, life is a wonderful thing, is it not? Can I just chase a rabbit here for a minute? We are engaged in a war against terrorism as a country right now. Have you ever heard any of the commentators on Islam speak? They talk about it being a religion of peace. But they also say that Islam is backwards from Christianity because Islam is not about life it's about death and I've heard the imams say that on the news media that's why they're willing to die as suicide bombers because that's one of the ways you glorify their God that's why I know their God's not my God because my God is not looking for me to die he's looking for me to live now yes many Christians have given their lives but that's not because they went out seeking to get rid of their life it was because those who hated the God of this Bible were seeking to put out their lives we just finished the series on church history so we're not going to go into all of that but it says, in him was life. And that life was the light. I wish I could spend a whole evening just on, on this verse. You look at the light of our society. We, we live in a society that is crazy. I mean, you want to get people foaming at the mouth. Screaming, rumping up, jumping up and down. You just talk about taking away a woman's right to choose. I mean, the same day Judge Ito was nominated, they had the people carrying the signs. You can't take away! We have the right! Hey, what is that? Is that life or is that death? I don't care what you call abortion, but every time one happens, a baby dies. They said abortion would stop child abuse because it would stop unwanted children from coming into this world. Not true. Child abuse has increased exponentially since 1973. We are talking over 400% increase in child abuse. And every state in this land has a child welfare agency that is checking on homes and going into homes and trying to keep children from being abused, and yet they, they're not getting the job done, are they? You think they're protecting all the children in New York City? You've got to be kidding me. I had one of the men from the school board here tell me his job was to keep track of all the indigent students who have dropped out of high school. And being the kind and shy, thumb-sucking man that I am, I said, you bet you could do that, don't you? I said, you wish you could keep track of all those kids. He looked at me kind of, oh, no, we do. You know, I go find them and I make them sign a paper 
saying that they understand they have the right to re-enter New York City public schools and get a diploma until they turn 21. Once they sign that paper, I, I've kept track of them. We keep a folder on all of them. Now, if you keep track of your kids like that, you know, I, I kind of hope Child Welfare does find out. Amen? We ought, we ought to do something more than just run down an alley and say, hey, could you stop smoking that crack pipe long enough to sign this paper so that you know that you can go back and get a diploma? Yeah, whatever you say, man. Okay. Not making this up. You want to understand something. Look at what people want. Do they want life? Or do they want death? They want to save the animals, murder the babies. Something's wrong with that. Something's real wrong. And, and by the way, the people that want to save the animals and save the trees and want to... What is their favorite thing to do? Shut down and get people laid off so they can't support themselves and their families. Shut down businesses. I'll tell you, it's a crazy way of living. It is a culture of death. We could talk about all this punk rock music that's out there. What do they sing about? Murder your mama, murder your papa, murder the police officers, murder yourself, commit... They got whole songs that talk about committing suicide. And these kids pop those earbuds in their ear and they just listen to death and destruction and... Uh, what was that? Uh, this shows you how old I am, goes back... We can't. Uh, we don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. And uh, what's that song all about? It's about being controlled in your thinking by the stupid idiots that write the song. It's trying to throw off what is true and what is honest and what is right so you can grab a hold of whatever feels good. We live in the most selfish, self-indulgent society in history. Why? I mean, when you love yourself, what, what are you getting accomplished here? Is that life? I mean, most of us think that life would be its best if, we, if somebody come and hand us a check for $100 million and we could go buy an island and sit there for the rest of our lives and have people wait on us. I mean, that's what a lot of people think life is all about. Right? Is that life? No, life is living in this world. It is reaching out and touching others. You see, life always brings light. It brings joy. It helps you see and understand what's going on around you. When somebody's talking about death all the time, when their whole goal the highest attainment that they can attain is by killing themselves, murdering other people. That's not light. That's darkness, my friend, is it not? And so we see that this, this person named Jesus, the Word, it says He is the source of life. And that that life is what brings light. Man. The hope of tomorrow is in our children. Amen? And every time a child is born, it's a miracle of life. In verse 5, it says, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Isn't that a wonderful truth? You'll never go in a room, a dark room, and turn on the light and have the darkness put the light out. The light always dispels the darkness. And some of you will remember what your life was like before you were saved. 
It was confusion, was it not? It was trying to figure out what in the world is going on. It's trying to make sense of everything that is happening. And then you get life from Jesus Christ. You see, in spite of all the horrible things going on, I'm still an optimist. You know why? Because I believe in Jesus. Amen? He's going to straighten this place out. And guess what? He doesn't need any church. Uh, I keep hearing this thing about the Crusades on the History Channel or something. The ancient conflict. Would you die for your... How many heard that stupid commercial? Um, I mean, it's on all the radios and everything. And I mean, it, let me tell you something. God never told the church to set up his kingdom. What kind of God would it be that needed some puny little human being or group of human beings to help him out? I'll tell you the kind of God he is. He's not the God of this book called the Bible. Unless you spell little g, little o, little d. Then that's the God it's talking about. But the creator God of the universe, if he could speak and everything that now is out of nothing became, he doesn't want help from us. He wants us to recognize who He is, that He is life, that He will give us the light that we need to see. Verse 14. Uh, we're not going to get through this whole thing tonight, but... Verse 14. It says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It says this word was made flesh. He took upon him. Now remember, before the beginning, he was. But he became flesh. He did not begin at Bethlehem's manger. God has no birthday because He has no beginning and He has no end. If He had a birthday, He would not be God because whatever gave birth would be greater than He is. He, he has, has no creator, He has no beginning, He has no end. The Word was made flesh. And if we get to point two, we'll, we'll find out why that Word was made flesh. It was God revealing Himself to you and I. It was God coming down and saying, Listen, I'm going to show you who I am up close and personal. I'm going to walk in your shoes. We have a saying, Don't judge a man till you walk a mile in his shoes or something like that. God said, I'm going to judge you because I am God. I have the right. I created you. But I'm going to come down and I'm going to walk in the body of a man on this earth. And I'm going to live and show you. Don't get caught up in this. What would Jesus do? WWJD. Anybody seen those bracelets and things all over the place? Let me tell you, you can't do what Jesus did. It's not possible. If you want to put it scripturally, you have, what would Jesus have me do? That's the only correct way to say it. Because we're not God. We're just plain old human beings. Jesus was different. He was the Word made flesh. And He dwelt among us. Look at verse 30. It says, This is He of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for He was before me. Now this is part of the testimony of uh, one called John the Baptist. 
And as John was trying to explain to the Pharisees and the religious leaders of his day who he was, he said, listen, I'm the one that's come to give testimony of him. I am not the Messiah, but the Messiah that's coming, he's preferred before, he's preferred before me because he was before me. Now, physically, Jesus was six months younger than John, according to the Scriptures. But Jesus is God. In fact, if uh, we'll just make a reference, John chapter 8, Jesus said, Before Abraham was, I am the eternal self-existent one. Now, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1. God, who at sundry times in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Right there again, we have everything being reiterated as in John chapter 1. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power... When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. Now what you have right here, is you have God the Father giving praise and demanding worship for God the Son. That's why the wording of this passage is so difficult for you and I to comprehend. Is because we think of God as three parts. We have a tendency to think of God as God the Father, number one, God the Son, number two, and God the Holy Spirit, number three doesn't work that way. God the Father is God. God the Son is God. God the Holy Ghost is God. You can't separate them. You can't compartmentalize God. And by the way, God is not a modal God. He is not one God that operates in three modes as God the Father, God the Son, because they have conversations with each other. Right here we have God the Father speaking of the Son and demanding that all the angels worship Him. And He says, Thy throne, O God, is exalted forever. I can't explain that. But the greatest revelation that God has given you and I to God at many times and in many different ways spake unto the fathers through the prophets. That's why we have an Old Testament. Amen? God spoke unto them and they wrote the words down. Somebody says, well, I mean, they just heard a voice speaking and they wrote those words? I don't know. I wasn't there. The Bible says, holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm just going to leave it right there. However, the Holy Ghost decided to move them uh, that's God's business. 
My business is to read it and obey it. Amen? And right here, it tells us that God gave revelation. He explained Himself to us by sending His Son here to live on this earth. And it explains that Jesus is God. Thy throne, O God. We come down here in verse 10. It says, Thou and Thou, Lord. That's another title for God. Talking to This is the Father talking to the Son. In the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of Thine hands. They're going to perish. But it says, You're not. In order to go through the Bible and get all of the prophecies and really understand what they're talking about, we need to understand who Jesus is. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight. Amen? Uh, I mean, I don't think we have anybody here that is really questioning the deity of Jesus Christ. But we have to... I I just want us to lay the groundwork here. The living word the written word. You can't separate the two. You can't you can't divide them up. You cannot divide up God. Philippians chapter two and and because of time I'll just ask you to to read this verse over uh, these verses over. They're there in your outline but it talks about the mind that was in Christ, that He being in the form of God, thought not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation. Now, people have argued about that sentence for hundreds of years, saying, well, Jesus emptied Himself of His godly attributes so He could be here on earth. Wrong. If He emptied Himself of those things, if He could divest himself of his attributes, he would no longer be God. What he did was he covered them up so that everyone who would see him would not be consumed by his glory. There are a few occasions where he pulled the veil back just a little tiny bit. Remember the story of the Mount of Transfiguration? where the disciples saw him speaking with Moses and Elijah. Old Peter, boy, he just couldn't handle it. i got to say something to these guys. This is my only opportunity to speak to Elijah and, and, and to Moses. And, and I'm going to say something. And he said the wrong thing. He wanted to build three tabernacles. Remember that? And God said, one. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Amen. John chapter 8, we referred to this, and you ought to read that whole chapter. In the beginning, the blind man comes and Jesus opens his eyes. At the end of the chapter, you have them arguing with Jesus, and Jesus is trying to explain to these Pharisees that he is the light of the world. And they said, who do you think you are? Are you greater than our father Abraham? He said, Abraham, my father. It says, oh, let's, let's turn there quick. We've got to get this verse. Uh, I'm not going to word it. I'm not going to quote it perfectly, and I don't want to miss it up. John chapter 8, verse 54. Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that He is your God. How could you get any more plain than that right there? Jesus said, My Father honoreth me, and if you want to know who my Father is, you call Him God. And then He says, Yet ye have not known Him. You don't know who God is. These were the religious leaders of the Jewish people. He said, and if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. 
Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then they said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. In the Hebrew, he said, Before Abraham was, Jehovah, the name of God, I am that I am. You talk about being incensed. Verse 59, Then they took up stones to cast at him. They knew what Jesus was saying. They knew exactly who he was claiming to be. And they said, we don't believe it. We will not accept you, who you say you are. And Jesus goes through this battle over and over again. He said, look at what I do. Only God could open the eyes of the blind. Only God could do the things that I do. And yet you won't believe me. See, when we hold on to our ideals and our traditions, they blind us to the light that is in the Scriptures. Jesus came to set us free from all of those things so that we could believe and understand. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 1. We'll, we'll finish this tonight. Revelation chapter 1. Jesus is explaining Himself to John. Verse 10, I was in the Spirit, John, on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps or the chest with a golden girdle, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. What do we see Christ here? In the midst of his churches. Why isn't it in the midst of his church? Because his church is not yet assembled. Amen? There are people here on earth that are saved and there are people who have gone on before that are saved. And one day that church will all be assembled in one local place in heaven. But until that point, his church meets as churches. Amen. And we see the power of Christ. But what does he surround himself with? His churches. Amen. What does he hold in his hand? It says the angels of the churches. And as far as we can understand, angel means messenger. It is the pastor of these churches that he's talking about. 
we see Jesus intimately concerned with everything that goes on. And there's been much commentary on these seven churches. I just believe that they typify all the different kinds of churches that exist that are true churches. There are many false churches out there. But you go through and you read about these things, and I'll tell you, I've not been in a, a Bible-believing church anywhere that doesn't fit into one of those categories. It just describes the different types of churches. Some of them are alive. Some of them are dead. Some of them make God sick, like the lukewarm church. Some of them are so weak that the only thing that goes on in that church is because of what God did. Hope, hope that's okay, whatever it was. And uh, we see Christ. We see the mind of Christ, Philippians chapter 2. It was humility. It was humbling himself to leave heaven's glory. We see the greatness of Christ as the light of the world, as the God of gods. We see the power of Christ, and yet we see his concern for his churches right here. Now, that's the Christ of the Bible. Every prophecy that we look at in the next several weeks needs to be put into the context of what the Bible says about the personage of Christ. And it'll be a whole different look if you've never done this before at the prophecies of the Scripture. How the Creator God of the universe was implanted into the womb of a virgin named Mary. I don't know, that just I, it just blows my mind. I can't comprehend it. But I know God did it. All those years in silence so that three and a half years he would walk on this earth. The Bible says doing good. That Jesus went about doing good. Wow. That he died not for himself not because he was a victim. He wasn't a martyr. Jesus willingly laid down his life to pay the price for our sins. And he rose again and he gives everlasting life to all who will believe. And he's coming again. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time tonight. And, and Lord, I pray that our lesson tonight would not have been tedious or too repetitive. Uh, but, Lord, that we would just look once again at the greatness of your Son, Jesus. Who He is. How He came to pay the price for our sins. Lord, we ask You to do Your work in our heart and life. That we may serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, every day of our life till He come again for us. We ask You to do Your work in our hearts. And before we finish that prayer, if you'd like to spend just a few moments at an old-fashioned altar, you can step out and come down and pray. If you're here tonight and you're not sure of what we've been talking about, about salvation and that, you could take the privacy of this moment. Just step down. We'll have someone take this book called The Bible and just show you what it means to be born again the Bible way. will only be a moment. If you need to come, now is the time. God's people said did anybody say anything Amen. all right let's stand together
705 if you need the words. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then wherever you go. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Thank you for being with us tonight.